Right, hello? Hello? Thank you very much. Yeah, so this is very exciting, actually, for us. Um, you know, I'm always looking at 
innovative ways that we can heal and restructure our bodies, the health of our bodies. And, you know, there's more and more information coming uh, clearer that our teeth, our jaw, you know, alignment is really important for the actually the health of the whole body. But today we're really uh, today we're really interested in your work, Dr. Mew, about mewing because uh, I was recently introduced to this. Uh, our listeners are anxiously awaiting. Like, what is that? How do we do that? Um, and so maybe we can start with just your background and how you got into this whole, you know, face changing and developing and restructuring uh, from you know where you were previously and um, where you are now. Well, you know, the first thing to say is that I'm a third-generation orthodontist. Neat. My grandfather was... How's it been? I was in, so my, there's, there's been waves of wave approaches in orthodontics. I mean, you know, the classic um, change in style is whether or not you take teeth out. So... There was a period when my grandfather was working when you never could peek out and you would widen the arches to make space for all the teeth. And then when my father did his dental training that included orthodontics, it was the opposite way around. And when my grandfather had um, some health problems and my father went to take over his clinic, he saw that my father was using what he thought was these old, outdated methods, and he realized actually there were some good records that it worked well, and that started thinking on, on a path. I started learning about these types of things, well, as soon as I could talk and walk, really. And the base concept is, you know, whether or not teeth, crooked teeth is a genetic thing that sent and everyone has it, and we have too many teeth for our mouths, or whether it's not a genetic thing. Mm. It's, an, it's an environmental issue. You know, we're not growing properly, and this is the cause of crooked teeth. And it goes beyond just crooked teeth, because it's related to the whole shape of your face. So this, you know, I, I was brought up with this stuff. I remember, I remember trying to tell my friends at school about it, but I think it's so different. It's so, you know, it's very strange. If someone takes 10 minutes to go beyond the initial, that sounds interesting, they go, wow, you're right. This makes absolute sense. And I think this is why I've got this following now on the Internet. However, it is, it opposes what we naturally think. We naturally think that our face, you know, that image that looks back to you from a mirror, the, the image that's on your driving license or passport, we naturally assume that's unchanging. It's genetic. It is us. You know, that, that mm-hmm. is the bit of your passport or driving license that people look at when they try to identify you. So in a way, that is your identity. And... It seems strange that people are reluctant to consider or entertain the fact that faces change shape. They're not set. And it's possible to grow grow well, and it's possible to grow badly, and it's possible to change that in midlife. And people just seem very resistant to the whole concept. You know, 
some people feel that it's, it's wrong of me even to say it. But it, I'm, I follow the truth. You know, I, I want answers. I want to do research. And I want, you know, in principle, to make people better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's fantastic. And um, I think that, uh, you know, I think there's more and more people open to alternatives. I think there's more people that are a little bit uh, suspicious, I suppose, of the, you know, um, pharmaceutical industrial medical complex, whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's why we have you here, because uh, we're always trying to, like, you know, open people's minds about what's possible. And, yeah, in medical school, I was pretty much taught, like, well, you know, your head and your cranium and your face, your shape, you know, eh, that's about it. You grow into it and period, that's it. But it always didn't make sense to me why my face wasn't big enough for those four impacted wisdom teeth I had. It didn't make any sense to me. Why would God make us this way? That's what I said. Well, this is interesting because... You, you know, I couldn't tell you if our ancestors had sleep apnea. I couldn't tell you many things about their soft tissues or their habits or diseases. But I can tell you precisely where their teeth were or still are. I can see mm-hmm. the models. I can see the skulls. You can go into a museum and you can see yeah. how the skulls were. And <clears throat> what's obvious is that all our ancestors from every area of the planet had all of their teeth working nicely in function. So, you know, we're supposed to, including the wisdom teeth, we're supposed to have 32 teeth. And if you look at the um, ancient material, everyone had space for 32 teeth, usually something approaching a centimeter behind the wisdom teeth in all four quadrants. So upper and wow. lower left and right. And that was normal. That was completely normal for hundreds of thousands of years. I mean, deep time, it was very difficult for us to understand deep time. 100,000 years doesn't make sense. But that's how Homo sapiens was for thousands and thousands, literally hundreds of thousands of years. And then in a relatively short period, from approximately the end of the medieval period, Till now, we've had this relatively dramatic change. And that's clear from these, these skull records. And people first started having problems not having space for the wisdom teeth. And now lots of kids are not only going to lack their wisdom teeth when they grow up, but they're having an extra set of teeth for premolars taken out as well. Now, I can understand that they're short of space. An orthodontist can argue, well, that's the only thing we can do. However, how have you got to this place where you need Ah. bits of your body taken out? And what could have been done to stop that? And of course, if you're, I'm trying to choose my words carefully, but if your face is distorted to the point where you're short of four teeth, what else is wrong? Yes. And that's the big problem. You know, I'm an orthodontist, but I don't care much. I'm not, I don't see a great value in straightening teeth. What I see is people with good grown, well grown faces with good bone structure tend to have straight teeth. People 
who don't have such good bone structure tend to have crooked teeth. So I try to develop the face. I kind of push the teeth into approximately the right position and expect the individual, the child, to straighten. That we've, we've been anatomical humans for thousands of years. We always straightened our own teeth and kept them straight. And we're one of, what, 5,400 species of mammal. And all of the other members of all of the different species, well, they manage to straighten their own teeth and keep them straight without wearing retainers for the rest of their lives. And, you know, <clears throat> it just seems to me we should, you know, my big thing is prevention. You know, I'm, my work is to try and affect facial growth after someone's born particularly in the growth phase. But, you know, we know you can affect... You know, if you had a stroke tomorrow, one side of your face would fall down, and you could even be 80 years old, and the same thing would happen. And that's just the muscles of facial expression. You know, I've worked in hospitals, and I've seen some unfortunate incidents. And I remember an individual who had had a road traffic accident, and it had severed the power muscles, you know, the trigeminal nerve providing the masseter and the temporalis muscle on one side of his face. And the distortion that occurred to his face in a couple of weeks was just, it astounded me. Hmm. And you think that this was, you know, I guess you could get the same change on anyone. Just cut the nerves to the power muscles of the face. And that could happen at any age. In fact, what strikes me is faces are surprisingly malleable. I think what doesn't change is our habits. And that's why we struggle to change so much of our physique. You know, you, you, you take Wolf's Law to its end conclusion, and you should be able to make significant changes to people's facial form. And that can have a big change on health. And this is the area I'm in, clearly. But clearly, I would also like to prevent these problems. And I, you know, we, we, I was part of a campaign called Prevent Crooked Teeth. You can Google Prevent Crooked Teeth. And it's all about trying to prevent these problems. Because I sincerely believe that simple public health measures and good sensible implementation could significantly reduce, if not eliminate, these problems. These, we call these problems, and we've come up with a generic term to describe how faces aren't growing well, which is craniofacial dystrophy. And this yeah. is the idea that as the face, dystrophy means dis or incorrect, and trophy, which means growth. So dystrophy is just simply means incorrect growth, and it's the incorrect growth of faces. And most people who are living in a modern world, their faces haven't grown properly. Now, I guess many people listening to this are going to think that's a, an outrageous statement. And it's also clearly a statement that's going to affect them, since I see few people in a modern world whose faces have grown properly. Uh -huh. um, you know, I, you know I, I'm only following the research. I'm following the science. 
because it seems to be getting a lot worse really quite rapidly. And once you understand what I'm saying, it's like, I guess, you know, yeah, you, 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 you become aware and suddenly you see it in everyone. And I mean, it is in everyone. But well, I don't know. You definitely don't see very... as many people with the jawline that you have. Let's put it that way. No, and I mean, my 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 lower jaw is is has got a good form. My upper jaw hasn't, you know, and it's very difficult to correct that at my age. You know, and it 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 sounds strange, but you know, we should all grow good faces. You know, you you see someone who walks off the African Serengeti, the Australian outback or the Brazilian rainforest. You see them standing tall and proud with fantastic physical form. And the head rests nicely. They don't have a forward head posture, a nice upright head posture with great facial structure, good bone form. And they have a big, broad smile showing beautifully aligned teeth. They've never seen an orthodontist. They never wear retainers. And yet every single one of them has all 32 teeth, including the wisdom teeth, in perfect alignment from when they're born to when they die. And that, that's normal. Now, that they are more like our ancestors than we are. Uh-huh. And it's just, you know, it, it's just taking the evidence to its final conclusion. And then, you know, I mean, it, it would be good probably to cover, I think, the pathological process of why this is occurring. Yes, let's delve into that. Um, you know, I definitely am a fan of the work of Dr. Weston A. Price related to, you know, nutrition and habits um, for his work in the 30s. But like you said, you know, this is our, our society has changed a lot, um, and more recently, even more so. So, yes, let's have you go into, like, why are our faces so distorted okay. and not... Well, uh, Western A. Price clearly is fascinating. And my father can recommend... Sorry. My father can remember exactly where he was in the car, where it was on the road, when my grandfather started to talk to him about Western Price's book. Huh. And, of course... That had a deep influence on my grandfather, and it had an influence on my father. My concern with Western A. Price's work is that he was trying to identify vitamins, and we've, we've, really, we've still not got a good grasp of what vitamins do what, how, and how we can prevent this. Now, I would love to be able to recommend some type of dietary content to my patients. And yet it's far from clear. And I've had endless conversations with everyone from Sally Fallon to uh, all the people in this, this area. No one's been able to show me some good evidence. that's nice and crystal clear. And I'm, happy, I'm open. If anyone wants to come to me, I would love to explore this. Weston A. Price noticed was that during this epidemiological transition, so what was happening was people were changing their lifestyle that there was a change 
in the diet. And he was looking at the constituents of the diet. What he didn't look at was the consistency of the diet. So not only were people going from diets that were richer in vitamins to diets that were less rich in vitamins, but people also going from diets that were tough, hard, which had low calories, so you needed to eat more of them. And of course, if you needed to, a lot of processing went on with teeth as well. So there was a huge amount of effort going on in an ancestral diet. And we've moved to a modern diet, which is, well, it doesn't require as much effort. Uh-huh. Um, a, you know, I, I could easily get about, what, five, seven hundred calories into a single drink. You know, we made a nice hot chocolate with some cream and sugar and smoothie as such. And of course, you could consume that making no masticatory effort at all. Correct. Now, go back 10,000 years, and if you wanted to get five to 700 calories on board, you had some serious chewing to do. It's all very well, yes. You possibly with some fresh fat or some freshly cut meat is quite soft. But a month after the last kill, you're surviving on strips of leather like meat. Uh-huh. And, you know, during the autumn, there would be lots to eat. But the rest of the year, things would be tough. And you didn't have this nice selection of foods always available in a fridge or in a larder that we have now. And you had to eat tough things. It's quite clear from the wear on people's teeth that they had a a massively tougher diet. You know, they had to chew. And this is, in a way, this is following Wolf's law on use it or lose it. In the past, we heavily used our masticatory system. The whole anterior face was a processing unit. You know, we all eat processed food. You either have it processed for you, or you process it yourself with your chewing system. Right. And that's what we're not doing. You know, we're not doing self-processing. You know, in, in general term, the word processed food means someone else has processed it for you. When really, you're going to swallow processed food, you just need to process it yourself. And that whole function, you know, it's the same thing. If you take the car rather than walking, you're not using your physical body system. Well, if you have food that's processed, you're not using your food processing system. You're not using your masticatory system. Now, you can see from my face, I use my masticatory system. I use it well and a lot. And I've got big muscles running up the side of my face. And those big muscles are related to the big jaws. How do you get big muscles? You chew. That's it. And so one of the main reasons that facial form has changed is we're not chewing enough. We've gone from this big, tough, hard diet to this very soft, yeah, as I said, often liquid diet. And then there's another factor. There's another major factor. The other major factor is that we've gone from having that great posture. You know, you see the guy walking out the Serengeti. His tongue is literally sealed to the roof of his mouth most of the time. That's where it lives, with a really good tongue-to-palate contact. Well, if you get a blocked nose, 
at any point of your life. What's going to happen to your tongue-to-palate contact? Well, you've got two options. Either you keep your tongue-to-palate contact and die because you can't breathe, or you drop your tongue down, separate your lips, open your mouth, and breathe through your mouth. Because you've only got those options. Now, if you what starts as an obligatory necessity to breathe quickly becomes a habit. And if you're hanging your mouth open, your face is tending to go down. Your tongue's not on the roof of your mouth, supporting your upper jaw, where it should be. Now, of course, if you have these two things in combination, that's when things really get bad. Because if you've got weak jaw muscles and you hang your mouth open, well, let's go back to that analogy of someone with a stroke. Or someone even worse, someone who's damaged his power muscles. And the face just drops down. And if you've only got so much face and it gets longer, well, it's going to get narrower and shallower, reducing the cross-sectional area. And of course, as that starts to happen, there's less space for your teeth. So that malocclusion, that crooked teeth in a nutshell, but of course, there's also less space for your tongue and your airway. So what do you do next? Well, I don't know about you, but the most important thing in my life is breathing. It seems to top most things. So if I'm struggling to breathe, or if breathing is uncomfortable, I will sacrifice most things in the short term for a comfortable breathing happen. And what happens to a lot of people is you then hold your head slightly forward because that opens your airway up. It's, you know, it's partly the A from the ABC of airway breathing circulation. You know, when you do, do resuscitation, you get someone's head back. Effectively, with the forward head posture, we're maintaining a tip back head but in a forward position, because it's opening the airway. And then, if you have forward head posture, you're going to get other knock-on effects. The biggest issue is as the face lengthens and the cross-sectional area reduces, your airway is smaller. Holding your head forward will certainly help when you're awake and conscious. But when you fall asleep, you'll probably be snoring. Well, snoring today is sleep apnea tomorrow. And my real concern is how, well, I mean, take sleep apnea. I really can, this is, sleep apnea is my biggest concern. When I qualified as a dentist, so I did my training from 87 to 90, what, two or three? Or three, I think. And at no point, did anyone talk about obstructive sleep apnea? It wasn't in the syllabus. It, didn't, it effectively didn't exist. And yet today, somewhere between 10 and 20% of people in a modern Western society are going to die in the region of 10 years early. So 10 to 20% of the population will die 10 years early for a disease that wasn't even in the syllabus 
when I qualified as a dentist in the late 80s, early 90s. So what, 30 years ago. Now, where the hell does that come from? And when you ask people what is the cause of sleep apnea, or the word of profession, they don't know. Yes, they can talk to you about obesity, but, yeah, I mean, uh, that, I mean, that, 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 that again. Yeah, we can ask the question, do sleep apnics, are sleep apnics obese people, or do obese people become sleep apnics? Because when you, you know, after a bad night's sleep, you want to eat. Uh, that's a slightly other story. But apart from obesity, which doesn't, isn't always present in sleep apnea, people still have little idea. And even obesity is not that well correlated to sleep apnea. The real cause of sleep apnea seems to be unknown. And I would suggest it's from a downswing in facial form. One of the most that makes a lot consistent. Of sense. Yeah, we make a lot of sense. It really does. And if you take the position that our face has grown genetically and it's normal, and most people in a modern society are normal, you've normalized what I see as abnormal. And that's where you stop searching. And that's why me coming in with this very sort of controversial statement that most people, in fact, 99.9% of the people in a modern society have been affected, makes you reanalyze what you think of as normal. And I think this gives a very good explanation for the cause of sleep apnea. Well, I, you I, know, I, I have recently began snoring uh, not that long ago, and I'm using this special tape to keep my mouth closed um, because I notice when I'm sleeping, my mouth wants to open, even though my nose is not plugged. Like, it's kind of crazy. Well, when I wake habit. up with my mouth dry, I'm like, oh, no, that's not good. No, no it's habit. And the, the will, I mean, the problem is that this whole system of which sleep apnea is, is the problem, and that this whole breathing system is so vitally, and I mean vitally important. Um, if you're snoring, it is, well, yeah, as I said, there's a phrase, sleep Snoring today, sleep happening tomorrow. I mean, I don't know the studies, you know, of how many people who snore go on to have sleep apnea, but from it seems to be fairly certain, fairly certain. And that is not good. And the rates and complications from sleep apnea are going up at an alarming level, as are, of course, all the crooked teeth. You know, when, when I was qualifying, orthodontics was a relatively small speciality. Now, everyone's doing it. Everyone's having Invisalign. Everyone's having Smile Club Direct or this braces or that braces. You know, it's, I had a child who came in to see me. And she said that she's the only one in her class that doesn't have fixed braces. Really? She's, having treatment. she's having treatment with me. That means every single person in her class is having some form of treatment. And I'm not a fan of fixed braces. I think they are frequently quite bad for you. Can you explain why? Well, okay, so I explained to you the pathology, what the why. Pathology is the why. Why are are faces not growing properly? And the two major reasons are 
the masticatory effect, you know, the strength, you know, the, the, the amount you use this system. Uh-huh. And the second one, of course, is the posture, how you rest the system. Now, if you have fixed braces on and you try to bite together, it's uncomfortable. You don't want to bite ah. together because it hurts. You know, I remember when I was a kid going to dinner with my uncle, Uncle Peter. And Uncle Peter used to shoot pheasants with a shotgun. And I remember eating this pheasant quite happily, and all of a sudden, boom, I got this lead pellet from the buckshot, a bit of buckshot between my teeth. And my whole masticatory system closed down an instant. I think it's a little bit like when you hit stop the press, and the whole press machine stops. This whole, you know, this incredible masticatory system is this symphony of movement and big forces with teeth missing by fractions of a millimeter. It stops instantly. Stop because I overloaded two teeth. And my body very sensibly sent a feedback mechanism to my jaw closing muscles, the big, strong uh, buccinator and masseters and others. And it said stop. I did that because it wasn't comfortable to bite together. Now, the same thing happens with fixed braces. If you have fixed braces on, temporarily, they're going to dictate exactly where your teeth are. And your teeth won't meet together very well. You know, you may have a single tooth point contact when you bite together. That doesn't, it's not comfortable. It doesn't feel nice. So you won't bite as hard. One of the things I will regularly do with my patients is I put my fingers on the cheeks and I ask them to bite together as hard as they can so I can feel the main muscle, you know, the masseter muscle, either, on either side. And if the child comes to see me who's we're currently wearing fixed appliances and they want a second opinion or they want my advice on something, and I ask them to bite together, but there's no force. I can feel those masseter muscles, but they won't engage. They won't do anything. You know, a little bit wow. of... You know, but they, they won't. You go and feel. You, anyone listening to this and their child's wearing fixed braces, go and feel those muscles. You know, I, have I switched off your buttock muscles and expected you to continue normally? Yeah, what would happen? You'd fall flat on your face, or I don't maybe backwards. Right, but, good analogy. You know, we're switching off a muscle system to get this. You know, just because everyone has fixed braces, don't imagine that it's not quite an invasive procedure. It's, it's not a simple procedure. Well, it, it looks it's got, like a heck of really uncomfortable, so you're, you're right. It, People don't you fight know, as hard. That it, makes sense. Yes. It's, it's definitely something, from my observation, every single research paper that I've ever seen where you have fixed braces and a control group, the vertical height, the height of the face has increased where you use fixed wow. braces. Well, you're causing a downswing in facial form. Makes sense. Which is the very opposite of what I want to achieve. Uh-huh. But again, you know, it, it's, you know, all, so my big thing has been to um, ask for debate on the etiology of malocclusion, which is the cause of crooked teeth. So I, I did an article, you can Google it, it's called Mike Mew and the Black Swan, 
and I'm talking about the fact that this is an unusual event, the fact that we don't know. We, 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 the entire orthodontic profession openly admits it has no idea what causes crooked teeth. This is not a question. This is not, you know, I'm not making this, you know, I'm not proposing something that's not true. It's openly admitted within the profession with no idea. Oh, well, not me, the profession, my speciality has no idea of the cause yeah. of the problem it's treating. And yet it's very good, you know, it's excellent at making teeth straight. You know, it, it, we have systems, we've got fixed braces, or we've got Invisalign, and they will do what it says on the tin. They can take the teeth and push them into a position. They're not going to stay there. And efforts to make them stay there are effectively holding the teeth out of their balance position. Of course, you can hold the teeth out of the balance position. You can't hold the supporting bone and gum out of the balance position. So I worry about the long term with everyone wearing retainers. I don't know what to recommend to them. I simply started, I said, I've got big concerns, real big concerns about my profession. Where do I start? Well, I want to follow the scientific process. I want to be very pure with science because it's vitally important we do this to find answers. You've got to leave your, leave your ego at the door and face science. So I did the most simple thing and I challenged my profession and I said, look, we need to have some form of scientific engagement, an open, free, fair. So I think my, my phrase is the three Fs, a full, free, and fair discussion on why teeth are crooked. Because if you don't know the cause of a problem, you don't know what's going on. And simply asking people to wear retainers for the rest of their life is not fixing a problem. Then, of course, we come to the sleep apnea. And the big question is, well, does orthodontics, can orthodontics exacerbate the underlying problem, make it worse. While you're treating the symptoms, you're making teeth straight, can you at the same time actually worsen the underlying problem? So I talk about, when the concept of craniofacial dystrophy, we talk about good growth. People who go well, well, their faces upswing. They get cheekbones, their face grows forwards. They have all this space for the tongue. Spaces that don't go as well, well, you have a downswing. The face drops down, it lengthens. It approaches what you would assume would be the adenoidal face. You're familiar with this picture of the adenoidal face? Man with the mouth hanging open, ears sticking yeah. out. Now, the adenoidal face is depicted in history but as the village idiot. Oh, really? Interesting. Yeah. That's the village that in history. And when you see, I saw this fascinating series of articles, one where you had Bush and where you had Obama painted as the village idiot. And you could see the sort of gaping mouth, ears sticking out, long, thin face. Ah. And they were trying, each side was trying to show how the other was an idiot. Interesting. Now, where do we get this village idiot from? Well, this village idiot comes from history, you know, back in times gone by. Well, we knew that if you hung your mouth open, you could, be, you could sum up most of what I'm saying to stand up straight and shut your mouth. Now, is that a new idea? Hardly. 
That's what I'm saying. Stand up straight and shut your mouth. And so I remember my mother, she would say a comment to my brother. My brother struggled all with his, with his nips, and much to my father's um, sort of concern. And so my brother, and my mother would turn around to my brother and she would say, shut your lips or the wind will change and you will be set like that. Wow. How true yeah. that is now. We know that. <laughs> yeah, and that's an old phrase. Um, you know, and she would say, you look like the village idiot. With a oh, mouth no. open like that. <laughs> and, you know, but then when you think, if you are downswung, if your face has dropped that far down and back, you, you know, you've got, you appear to have a nose that sticks out. It's not your nose sticking out. It's the fact everything else has dropped back. Mm-hmm. But your tongue has moved closer to your airway. I, I'm horrified by the um, association between snoring and um, a cognitive ability in, in um Teenagers, you know, I've seen okay. you know, uh, a big study looking at 11,000 children aged 10 to 9 years old where they associate um, snoring and cognitive performance. Wow. Now, this is big stuff, isn't it? Yeah. And the big question is, you know, is... Can orthodontics make it worse? We don't know. I want to know, and I want to raise this issue to say we need to know. And the where better to start than asking why are teeth crooked? Because that's where you start. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. You know, you know I don't cause. believe a word I'm saying. Don't believe anything I say, please. I don't expect anyone to. But, but respect my desire to engage scientifically. Respect my desire to prevent this, you know, to prevent crooked teeth. You know, if we could tell mothers, try and help keep your children's lips together. You know, if you can exclusively breastfeed for as long as possible. Introduce them with solid foods. Cut the slot. Where did this sloppy baby food come from? Why do we think it's a good idea? Get classrooms, get teachers to encourage kids to sit up straight, mouth closed, lips sealed. You know, we, we, we should at least try. The treatment I do is just, it's hard work. Really hard work. We shouldn't be treating anyone. None of our ancestors needed this. I don't see a need in the wild mammals. The reason we've got this problem is because we have a disconnect, a mismatch between how we evolved to live and how we are living. Now, I don't propose we go back in time. There are so many great things, you know, fantastic solutions and technologies we've found. But... What are the key things? What are the the things we can take out from an understanding of the cause that can be used to minimize or eliminate these problems? Cure them. You know, this is is what we need to do. And, you know, I, 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 I greatly dislike this 
gap between alternative and mainstream medicine. So why can't we all be talking together? Why, right. why would anyone brand me alternative when I'm asking for scientific debate on something simple like, why are teeth crooked? Right. You know, an orthodontist asking people why teeth are crooked seems a fairly sensible and scientific approach. Not alternative at all. That doesn't sound very off the wall to me. And that's all we're asking. And, but, you know, it doesn't go down well in my profession. It hasn't gone wow. down well. Yeah, I was, gonna, I was wondering how that's received, certainly from, you know, our no. audience point of view. Everyone's very open, but, and it makes total sense to us, but your profession. <laughs> well, yes, my profession it has not gone down well. So, I mean, you know, my, my father was on national television in 1998, when being on national television was a bit, still a big thing. Mm-hmm. Remember, at the time in Britain, we only had four terrestrial television channels. So, you would highly likely you were watching one of them in an evening. <laughs> and he went on and he, he noticed that faces... The physical appearance of faces looked worse significantly frequently. So quite often you place these fixed faces on people's teeth and their faces look worse. And so I would define this as a downswing in facial form. You know, you put these uncomfortable orthodontic appliances in the mouth. You may or may not have taken teeth out. I think it's a little bit of a red herring actually whether or not teeth are taken out. But I think it tends to occur slightly more frequently when you do more complex treatment. More complex treatment is, tends to be done on people whose teeth need to be removed. That, but I wouldn't say that actually taking teeth out is the cause. No, the cause is all the paraphernalia, the braces themselves, lots of the mechanics wow. are going on in there. It's not well understood. And this is my problem. So he said that he felt that 20 to 30% of children with fixed braces have clear and obvious facial damage. So the orthodontic profession went into overdrive to suggest not only that he was wrong, but he was a maverick that should be dismissed. Oh boy, I didn't realize that. Well, that's that. what you do, isn't it? You, you, if you're frightened about what someone's saying, the best response to do is to destroy their reputation. Yes. Well, we we have a lot of that going on right now <laughs> in the medical well, profession. Yeah. So, I'm loving you. Yeah. I empathize. You. Now, when he said that he felt faces were damaged, what he was really saying is they were downswinging. And, of course, this is just increasing all the symptoms. So where, if I feel if a face downswings, it reduces the cross-sectional area. So you're more likely to get jaw joint problems, crooked teeth, a forward head posture, sleep apnea, and, well, I mean, there's a few other things, right, you know. But basically put, a face that is not the correct architecture does not work as well. And I often see the face as a CV 
of our health. You know, we are, what is attractive? What do you mean? When someone says you're good looking, what, 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 what is that? Well, what quantifiably is good lookingness or attractiveness? I heard it was symmetry. Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, that was um, Alf Linney, and before him, that was um, Socrates, wasn't it? We're talking about symmetry? Yeah, symmetry. Yeah, I think there was some news article on it. It wasn't necessarily scientific. I, I, You know, I saw that uh, they they did a whole bunch of people, and they asked if they felt they were attractive or not, and what they found out through computer modeling and things like that, not modeling, Mm. but computer-generated, like, mapping, that the people that most people that were attractive had symmetrical faces, and the people that didn't have symmetrical faces were not, you know, were not as attractive to most people. Yeah, and I think that's absolutely true. I mean, as you downswing, which I see as a slow-motion car crash, your face is likely to become more and more asymmetric. That's just yeah, how it goes. However, that that that's true, but it doesn't mean that's the whole story. So, I see this an attractive face. The seat of attractiveness in a face is the maxilla. The maxilla is up and forward. Face is nearly always attractive, and I can you know we can we can go into that at some length. But mm, okay. What what attractiveness is in a way is it, healthy. When you see someone who's attractive, you're looking at someone who's healthy. And we're hardwired to be attracted to healthy people. Well, you know, we look at the Darwinian... So Darwin had some interesting... You know, Darwinian's theory of um, evolution, well, that was mainly Erasmus Darwin, Charles Darwin's grandfather who came up with most of that. You know, Charles Darwin was on the Beagle to prove a point, to find the answers not to, as a, as a discovery. You know, look up Erasmus Darwin on um, Wikipedia. You know, fascinating man. Charles Darwin no doubt added a huge amount to it. But one of Charles's great piece of insights was in mate selection. You know, why do we choose one partner as opposed to another partner? Um, you know, he did some very interesting work on that. But we tend to choose, of the many criteria we have for selecting partners, one of the criteria is their attractiveness. And I think that this is an index on how healthy they are. And we're hardwired to want to mate with someone who's healthy for clear and obvious reasons. So we have this attractiveness quotient, which is a health. And your face is the CD of your health. The outward display, you know, you, you know the, the, the peacock's feathers, so to speak. When people right, say to me, people meet me and go, Mike, you're looking healthy. Well, they're really saying, uh-huh. Mike, you're looking good, aren't they? Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah. That's fascinating. But my father was well, in, do you think this has yeah. changed a little bit in certain cultures? Because I was looking for something. Oh, um, yeah, because I was looking for something you know. for teeth in, uh, on Amazon, and they had all these straps of your face to make your face look V-like. Yeah, yeah, they're going to be. It's an Asian thing, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What amazes me, though, I remember a um, a lecturer, I think it was John Flutter, but correct me if I'm wrong, and he had taken a random group of beauty models. And he then superimposed their eyes 
and the lower edge of their nose. And then he started flicking through them. And this, this middle triangle, which was the maxilla, didn't change ah. in anyone. It was the same, all the way through. Oh, because the other bit okay. of the face changing, but the central core, that's why I say the seat of beauty is in the maxilla. Ah, okay. That bit didn't change. And he cycled through, I mean, I, he's back in London, I was getting him to um, send me a copy of that video he made up, but even that was fascinating. And they do this research, I mean, they did this research with um, babies, sitting babies, one year old, on their mother's laps, looking at two big projectors. And then watch, they track the eye of the baby, and the baby would look at the more attractive face, more than the unattractive face. So they were able then to determine what the baby thought was attractive. They were so impressed. They did it with six-month-old babies who had the same answers, gave them the same thing. And so we like this attractiveness is in the eye of beauty of the holder. In a way, it is. Now, what I draw is I draw, I call it the Mike Mew envelope of attractiveness. And it's a sort of ellipse where at the top point, everyone tends to agree on the most attractive faces. The bottom point, everyone tends to agree on the least attractive faces. We don't like to talk about that because that's so emotive, isn't it? And in the middle, there's a bulge. And I think that within that range, there are other factors, you know, and I'm sure, I'm, I'm not, I'm sure Freud could tell us about our relationship, good or bad, with our mother, you know, our first love, many other things, or you know, our culture, they then have a sideways influence, so you can go left or right on a horizontal. But the absolute point at the top, amazingly, it seems from research that we actually agree on the most attractive faces. It's because you don't see so many. Most people are slightly further down in the middle of your lips. Uh, anyway, that, that's my thoughts and ideas on it. You know, and I want to do further research, you know. No, I'm trying oh, to that, yeah, that is fascinating what the research you've done that you shared. Thank you so much. Um, now you mentioned where, for children that we can do some prevention. Although you know, I, I think the average mother or father doesn't know what to do or well, yet the even they can thing, do something. The simplest thing I do, I recommend, is chew gum. Take good quality lateral photographs of your child and then get them chewing gum. Anyone over four years old, one to two hours every night with their lips closed. Mm. But take great hours nightly with lips closed. If you want to understand your child's growth or if you're going to take your child to an orthodontist, Take a good quality lateral photograph, a side photograph. Preferably, stand some distance away and zoom in with good lighting. If you don't do that, you're, you're, just, you're crazy. You would actually take your child to see an orthodontist and you wouldn't take a good quality lateral photograph of them. I mean, you know, you, you, not, you've, asked, you've heard what I've said. That should be absolute mandatory. But I think every dentist should take a good quality lateral photograph of every child in their care who is growing. So every growing child. That should be a mandatory. 
You know, you, 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 how would you do a diet if you didn't have a set of scales? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. As soon as you know that the way your face is growing is not predetermined, then record it. That science and that knowing what you're doing. Otherwise, you are flying by the seat of your pants with nowhere understanding of where you're going. And then you mentioned other things, too, about sitting up straight, keeping the mouth closed. So we, we have, okay, so one of the most important things is um, your, you know, how you eat, your, your, your meals, because this is a very specific sort of thing. And if you shroud this with a little bit of um, ritual and some, um, you know, as many odd things as possible, and then you can take this situation, so this is situational dependent exercise, so if you ritualize this exercise, then you can get people to reproduce this every time. And we've got this super exercise, and it works fantastically. And it is, sit up straight, elbows off the table, eat with your mouth shut, food to you, not you to your food. Don't speak with your mouth open when you're chewing. Don't um, chew your food properly. And then I add in, do a chin tuck, a Mackenzie chin tuck, when you swallow. Mm, what's but that? You you can't do that on the radio. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's not going to work. And you can look it up. Um, but either way, most of that is as old as the hills. Uh-huh. I've yet to have a single family ever come to see me who didn't have that, um, what do we call a mantra, passed on from their grandparents or great-grandparents or great-great-grandparents. Never. How can every different culture from all over the planet that I've met in, or come into my clinic have the same mantra in their old wives' tales? <laughs> you know, it's either magic. You, you're either magic or you're hiding. No, you're, either magic or there's a reason. There's an absolute reason for this. And I think that this reason is, it worked. You know, back in a day when most people grew well, or better than they do now, someone who didn't grow well stuck out. You know, that village idiot, the adenoidal face. Right. So you, and you know, when you're talking era when your children were your pension, there was no healthcare system, you were on your own. So you would do everything you could to make sure your children grew straight. And to grow straight, you sit up straight. You eat straight. You stand up straight and shut your mouth. You know, these are not new concepts. All now everyone's done is looking down at their cell phones. <laughs> yeah, well, that hasn't helped. You know, I, I talk about the fact that we've gone from scanning the horizon for predators or prey to looking at televisions, then desktops, laptops and now tablets and smartphones. That, that's certainly not helped. And of course, you've got to weave the environment into these arguments. Uh-huh. Well, how about adults? I mean, you know, um, can you talk a little bit about mewing and how that can help or about so, the time? All right. and- well, 
what is this mewing thing? Well, clearly, I got bored teaching kids to do exercises. So I thought I'd put a few of them online. So I put some exercises online. Then I was asked to give a, a lecture to someone called the 21 Convention. So I gave this lecture to the 21 Convention, you know, and I knew kind of um, that it was for young men trying to look better. So I tailored my video to young men wanting to look better and tried to give them the whole story. So if you look at the 21 Convention and Mike Mew, the lecture's there. It still seems popular. But it, it, it kind of, the idea started to become viral. You know, at the end of the lecture, I was, you know, surrounded by these young guys, mainly guys, I was a couple of girls, and they wanted to, they wanted to know how to look better. And of course, I'm, I'm sitting there thinking to myself, because I, I mainly treat kids at the time, and I'm thinking to myself, well, guys, you know, this is incredibly hard to change as an adult. You know, in a way, you'd be crazy to try. But then, on the converse, you'd be crazy not to. Because what the hell else are you doing with your tongue? What are you doing with this system? And all I'm asking you is to stand up straight and shut your mouth. No grey hardship. Not always easy, but do it. Because it works. And so, anyway. Anyway, I, I then... Um, I would get mails from people and I would see on forums people asking me specific questions and I thought, well, you know, I wanted to help these guys and I, I started providing more information and then this thing went viral. And it's crazy. And then I start seeing people posting images. These are young adults, anywhere from sort of 17 to 30, with remarkable, in fact, I get incredible changes in facial form. they changed their complete facial structure. That's what I thought, too. I was impressed. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, literally. And then the, the, I'm beseeched by males of people say, oh, you know, you know, what are the things they're saying? They're saying how much I've helped them. I've reduced sleep apnea. I've reduced their jaw joint problems. I've helped them come alive. You know, they were dead or more abound before. Um, but also a lot of people simply saying they understand it. No one had ever given them an explanation that made any sense. You know, why are you clenching or brushing? You know, why do you not have facial wisdom? Why do your teeth gone crooked again? You know, what's happening with sleep apnea? I mean, all of these different things. And people were just saying, thank you. I get so many emails just thank you, Mel. Awesome. Yes. And in fact, we're going to do an app soon. So we're going to do, because what I realize is that I haven't actually put that much information out. When I occasionally get an email from someone telling me how they've, they've caused problems from viewing, and some of them I'll, I'll return the calls because I want to find out what they've done, why they've got problems. It doesn't make sense to me. And clearly, well, usually they've done something very wrong. They've not done what I've asked because... Other people are telling them, you know, this, because it's become a viral thing, you know, there's a lot of disinformation. So I thought that it would be worthwhile me doing a series of videos, putting on an app so it's on your phone so you can see it. It helps doing reminders and it helps you to superimpose your face to see if you make any improvement. Oh, nice. But also to charge the minimum possible. 
so that we can get the max help the maximum people. But of course, what I'm realizing is is to have a campaign to change the world does require money. You can't do it yeah. for free. It does. And so we need to raise some money for this project. You know, I've been broke. You know, I, I, I literally a decade ago I I came down to South London to focus on this clinic. I sold my house, I burnt the proceeds, I took some early inheritance, I burnt the proceeds, I worked, you know, obscene hours every day, often seven days a week. But I've slowly pulled ahead. And now I have a clinic that actually makes money. A bit, not much. But, you know, making people better makes good money. Changing people doesn't. And that's the problem. You know? You know, people don't want to change. It's hard work. And, of course, it comes, you know, and that's half, you know, the process. You know, well, yeah, there's a lot of people who, who definitely are inspired to do something different and to change because they, they didn't know that you could change your face, you know, after Yeah, they didn't four. know. Cool. You know, and I often said that if I could plug in to your cerebellum, as they did in the movie The Matrix, and reprogram uh-huh. your base parameters... That is all I would have to do. The problem is, most people have such severe structural change that they struggle to put their tongue on the roof of the mouth without the back of it going in their airway. You know, they struggle to stand right without their tongue being in their airway. And that's the problem. And that's where treatment can help. But, you know, this, is, this needs so much hard work and research. You know, I'm literally trying to save the face of the world, almost single-handedly, <laughs> against one face at a time. Right. One face at a time. One face at a time. But you know, you know, I've got a big court case in November when they try and take my license away. Oh, this year, really? Yeah, yeah. You know, and when, you know, you know, it's all about the philosophy. But you know, the problem is, you have it's very difficult to get the truth in there, because I've got the, the orthodontist for the prosecution thinks I'm guilty and should be struck off immediately. The, the orthodontist for the defense thinks I'm guilty and should be struck off pretty quickly, but I'm a nice chap. You know, where do you go with Wow. That? You know, it, it, I've got to think out the box. I think out the box or I'm dead meat. I have to work hard. Literally, but I, I knew this when I started it. You know, don't go, go, don't, don't threaten a profession with irrelevance. They don't like it. They don't like it, yeah. Well, now that you have so many people following you, everyone could write, you know, a letter before and after pictures and inundate that court, you know, with before and after pictures, right? <laughs> that, 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 that's anecdotal. That's not a good sign. But I've got a lot of good signs. I, I need to bring that science to bear in that environment. And that's going to be my next challenge, knowing how. Well, to your do lawyer that. can can tell the op, you know, the prosecutor what's your science. Yes, yes. Because they don't have any. My lawyers are ex dentists who all think I'm guilty. Oh man. That's the way. That's the way. That, but you, literally, watch and wait. You know, hopefully, I. But if I that court case is going to be everything in November, we either I get wiped out. Or we change all the dots. One or the other. Now we need to be wrapping up. Yes, yes. 
this is I've got, fantastic. I have, I, I, I've got, but my my daughter's eldest daughter's birthday today, so I need to get. Oh wow. To Oh, that's great. Well, you know, I've so enjoyed our time together, Dr. Mew. Um, you know, we're you know, our yeah, you know, we're we're pretty woo woo where we are, you know, but we're sending you lots of love and, and seeing that November twenty twenty one, you know, court case go in your favor and do you know, like open up the world to You know, I sincerely hope so because it's you know, it, it, I've worked so hard and I've invested everything yeah. in this clinic. Also, if I lose that, I lose everything. Everything. Everything well, I've done. You've made so many changes to people around the world. So, I mean, theoretically, even if you didn't have a clinic, I mean, you, I mean, look at all these people watching your videos, right? I mean, you can definitely modify education. Your audience, you know, go to orthotropics.com or go to yes, thank you so much. Um, orthotropics yeah. YouTube, YouTube orthotropics, and there's lots of information there. And of course, hopefully, we'll have an app coming out. You know, it's my plan B in case I lose my license. We would love an app. We would love a book. You know. Um, yeah. Well. Yeah. I'm, I'm. Yes. I'm not much of a writer, but I guess I have to do a book. Is what people do, don't they? Well, I have connections there in case you need any. Just let me know. Yeah, we need yeah. this best-selling book out, and uh, and yeah. So orthotropics.com, everyone, is the, the place to go to for lots of information, and the YouTube channel is amazing. Dr. Mike, thank you. Dr. Mew, thank you so much for your time okay. and uh, the, yeah, the pioneering you know, energy that you and your family. Yeah, well, it is. As I said, I'm, I'm, I was my father's plan B. If you couldn't change the world, <laughs> have a son that finished it. <laughs> well, hey, yeah, we, we really, really appreciate your family and what you've done. And, uh, yeah, we'll <laughs> keep, keep sharing it. Keep sharing it. Thank you so cool. much. Bless you, Dr. Thank Mew. You, thank you, everyone, for listening. You know, what, I, I'm thank very for listening. and aware that what's made me, what's brought this all forward is the people that follow me on YouTube and yes. the rest of social media. That's what changed things. And, you know, I'm hoping that social media can be a force for good in this situation. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. Thank you. Bless you. Take care, everyone. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening in. Bye. Bye. Bye.